Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. Hello. And we're brought to you, as always, by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin-style chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we have the legendary Michael Keynes. Hello, Michael. Hi, guys. How are you? Good to talk with you again, Ben. And, of course, uh, Dan. Great to uh, reacquaint. Yeah, they're awesome. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Thanks for coming on with... We've uh, obviously met you when we were filming MKR and got to have dinner with you on several occasions. So we <laughs> we, we were we were loving it. One of our uh, foodie heroes from around here. So it's an honour to have you on our show. Well, thanks, guys. You did a great job. You certainly put a bit of heat into the uh, <laughs> occasion, uh, but you did a great job, and it was great to meet you. And, and what I love best about the whole thing is the spirit in which you undertook the, the competition. You know, you, you guys could really really well and also you prove that you can adapt uh, and ultimately you're your foodies and and you cook your heart out and you you cook some great food so it's was, it was good to see you guys do so well of course them from the southwest as well representing so i was, I was egging secretly for you to go <laughs> as far as you could but you, you did yourself proud so well done thanks mate that's thank you very much. a lot coming from you <laughs> thank you um so we'll obviously we'll chat about mkr hopefully a bit later on but for now we just wanted to really get into the story of Michael Keynes and find out like where it all began for you like why did you decide to be a chef and why did you enter the the world of cuisine yeah well my story just really starts from being a young kid at, in a large family one of six I was the youngest and uh and we all had chores so I used to help out in the kitchen and I started off baking cakes with my mum and then from there, sort of, you know, from about age of five, six, seven into sort of eight when I started to help with, you know, Sunday roasts. And I just enjoyed cooking. We had a large garden. We used to grow stuff with dad and mum used to turn it into lovely stuff. Simple foods, but just wholesome and nice. And so meal times always spent around the table you know, as a family. And we went on holidays, we were a little bit older to France and spent time in France with, uh, you know, with my parents holidaying and just generally the whole kind of round the table with great food was just the way we lived our lives, growing and, and, you know, producing stuff in the garden and turning it into nice, humble foods for the family. But I didn't really think of it as a career until much, much later and up until that most of my childhood, I wanted to go into the forces and join the army or, or Marines and that was pretty much where I thought my life was going to go, love the outdoors. And, and just loved the whole adventure and the idea of joining the forces. 
So being a coach was just something I enjoyed doing. It wasn't obvious for me that it could be a career because there was no sort of celebrity chefs on TV in those days. So from there, uh, from that passion, if you like, of cooking at home, uh, you know, grew a career, uh, you know, going into Exeter College for two years as a catering student and then on from there, really. Cool. So that was where you, your sort of career started by going to Exeter College? Yeah, I spent two years in the catering college there. And then he got kicked out, actually, boys, after <laughs> the first year. Too bit much chilli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much I was, yeah, I was fighting it up too much, yeah. you know. And, uh, but managed to calm it down a bit in the second year, get co- get focused, and I got student of the year. So that was a good turnaround, really. Amazing. I just learned. Yeah, I just, you know, I think the first year was just, just typical kind of disruptive kid, really, with lots of energy. But lots of, you know, talent mis- misdirected in it. And in the second year, I kind of realised that actually, yeah, I, I had to, you know, take control of my life and, and take responsibility and realise that criticism could be be taken constructively and use that to better myself. And so I, I, we, we grew, I grew up, basically, and that was good. And then from Exeter College, after two years, I went to London, I worked at the Grosvenor House in Park Lane and did about a year and a half there. Six months of that was in a banqueting kitchen, sort of, cooking for about 2,500 uh, up to sort of wow. banquets. Yeah, massive amount of sort of repeat. So how was that jump like immediately from, from college to, to jumping up to, to cooking in, in a major hotel like like that for such well, large numbers? Yeah, I mean, it's like Dick Whitting and his cat going to London. It was pretty daunting. You know, when you got there, you got the, the, the whole got enormity of a large hotel was, was pretty, pretty mind-blowing. But... I, I, it taught me two things, really. Working in a big banqueting kitchen, doing massive functions, taught me that that's not the type of cooking I wanted to do. And it's whilst I was working there that I, I witnessed Raymond Blanc doing a cooking demonstration and, and, and met him. And then I realised also there was a Michelin-style restaurant at, at Grosvenor House, 90 Park Lane, as it was called then. And I realised that I wanted to work in a restaurant serving, you know, heard about Michelin stars, and, and, that's, and that's eventually where I ended up after sort of seven months. And then... About a year and a half at Groven House, I then went and worked for Raymond Blanc, and it was the chef who recommended me at the time for for the opportunity. So I went up and spent two days working in the kitchen with Raymond Blanc as Amazing. a as a work work experience, sort of you know going for an interview, and then I had to cook him a plate of vegetables, and then he liked that, and then he asked me to cook a fish dish, and then he offered me a job, so he must have liked that. So yeah, and then you know moved up to London. Sorry, sorry, moved up to Oxford from London. I spent three years in Oxford at the Cat Saison, and then it was Raymond that recommended me for a job in France, where I left, you know, after three years. Amazing experience. It could have been easier to stay, but I wanted to keep pushing on yeah. so, and take myself out of that comfort zone, you know? Mm. So, so you managed to impress Raymond Blanc with a plate of vegetables. Yeah, what, well, it got me. It got me the, <laughs> well, I, I remember a chef in the corner, a guy called Richard Neves. He, he went on himself to get two stars. He sort of threw me a red onion if he liked this, and I sort of, I just, I watched what they'd done with their vegetables and how they cooked it and presented the plate. And apparently, um, if if you're going for a commie job, you know, which is the junior position, you you cook a plate of veg, and if you're going for a senior position like chef de party, you've got to cook a a main course or a fish dish. So. I cooked both, so I knew I was, when I got asked to cook a fish dish, I, everyone was like, well, you know, <laughs> you must have liked your veg dish sort of thing. So it was a great moment. I mean, it's great honour. I mean, once I cooked in that dish, it was, he came in and sort of showed me around his kitchen. It was like a, 
a whirlwind going around his kitchen tasting this, tasting that. So I kind of re- I realised I'd, I'd nailed it, sort of thing. Amazing. Um, and then it was, you know, it was great. And then I got the opportunity to work in his kitchen, did very well. And then from there I went to France. I worked in two, three stars in France. One was for the late Bernard Oiseau and the other, that was in Burgundy, and the other was in Paris working for a guy called Robichon. So, so yeah, it was a great stepping stone. And, and obviously, Raymond Blanc has two stars, so I wanted to up that. So I went to France working in two, three stars, which is a really good experience for me. And, of course, you know, I had to learn the language of French, which is, you know, obviously, which was a challenge. But I, I loved it, and, I, you know, I enjoyed my time in France hugely. I mean, and, having such amazing well, chefs as mentors, I mean, that's, mm. I mean, three fantastic yeah. chefs. I mean, growing up with it as, a, as a young chef must have been fantastic for you. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. At the time, it just seemed like a hard graft, a lot of hard graft. But, you know, I, I, I knew that if I was going to stand a chance of being one of the, one day, one of the best chefs in the country, you know, I needed to work with the best chefs of that time. So I knew that the best place to equip myself with the best skill was in the best kitchens. And, that's not an easy challenge, you know, that's, that's sometimes a difficult one, lots of hours and hard work, but it, it's worth it, you know, I'd say to anybody, you know, if you're going to follow your dreams, then put yourself in the best situation, and it, and it does take a bit of hard work, perseverance, and of course, lots of energy, which I seem to have in, in abundance, so it was a great uh, experience, and I loved it, and, um, you know, I look back with fond memories, despite the hard hard work, it, it was a great uh, learning curve for me as a young man and I worked in some amazing kitchens worked with some incredible people and uh, experienced some amazing uh, you know experiences which of course have all fed into my career uh, since definitely so you went out there not with not very much French at all or did, did you learn French and then you're going to go out there or is it like a, on the job you've got to learn the language and learn how to cook with these amazing chefs yeah, it was that. It was a bit of all of that, really. I mean, I, you know, I had sort of kitchen French, you know, so un de trois, you know, samage, fait marché. It was all the sort of away, you know, all the basic talk about because yeah. the service at the manoir was was held in French, so okay. you used to, you know, do all of the uh, orders and read it in French, including the ingredients, so veal, veau, pigeon, you know. Turbo, you name it. So I kind of knew that mm. element of French, and then so I, that was familiar. Um, and when I went to France, I, that was about it. And then since, but I got a yeah, French girlfriend, and, and my French improved greatly uh, over time, a short amount of time. That um, that was uh, that was good. But I think after a year, I was fairly fluent, and um, and and that's got kind of. I think the first six months always the hardest, and but that was sort of. The only difficult thing, but the, in the kitchen itself, it was generally okay on service because I was used to that, um, uh, you know, interaction yeah. in French working at Capsaison. So, but getting a girlfriend, that was, that one easy. I had, to, I, <laughs> I, had to get somebody to translate and they often ended up picking up the girl I was trying to get up with. So yeah. they just use your chatter blinds, but they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, good fun. I enjoyed it from, from memories, put it that way. Awesome. And what what took you back to to the home home Devon then? What took you back there? Well, I got a phone call from Raymond Blanc saying he'd recommended me for the job at Gidley Park actually, and uh, Sean Hill, who was the chef before me, was leaving after eight years, and um, and uh, the owner at the time, a guy called Paul Henderson, had uh, asked if anybody knew of any young talent or somebody that was looking 
to take on that opportunity and, and Raymond recommended me so I was uh, flown over from Paris you know I, I, I actually uh, missed my, my plane I went to the wrong airport then eventually managed to get the <laughs> that was just bad French uh, the, 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 oh, typical that's what directions Gordon couldn't or, understand <laughs> yeah exactly Charles de Gaulle or whatever it was but um, anyway I remember arriving late and um, you know then I had to cook two meals in two days and then after the second meal he said you know don't worry about cooking tonight you know, um, we, we, he said, you got the job. And then we went out and had a meal at Rick Stein's in Padstow back in the day when he actually cooked uh, and uh, met him. He showed us his new venture, which at the time was St. Petrox. And um, so, uh, and then I joined that summer, which is 94. And, um, you know, uh, and that's really how I got started. So a recommendation from Raymond Blanc and uh, uh, came over, cooked my heart out and got the job. And that's, was my first I wasn't looking or planning to come back to England but it just so happens that um, it worked out that way and um, and that's often how life is you know you, yeah. you just sometimes mm. get opportunity meant uh, to be in that way I'm guessing if someone like Raymond Blanc recommends you to someone else then they're pretty confident that you're a good cook aren't they <laughs> yeah I mean I, I've never to be honest I've always been recommended for my, my jobs which is a, a great compliment to, to, to be able to to say but it also says something about the work ethics that I had, you know, in those kitchens. You know, I was always uh, first in, last to leave, and I enjoyed. I wasn't because I was trying to prove a point. I just enjoyed my work and took it seriously. So, in, in many many of the stuff I did, you know, it was always about being, <clears throat> you know, being good at what I did. I was an, it was a natural talent and a natural flair, and was that was obvious. But that's not enough sometimes in the kitchen. You've got to be a hard worker and and show willing so I enjoyed that and, and that stood you know that stood up well in terms of you know when it came to recommendations you know they could recommend yeah. me confidently and that Definitely. was good so that was lovely so you'd, you'd worked in a, a two and a three Michelin star restaurant uh, at, at that point so so yeah. how did it come about building up to, to getting your own stars and, and achieving that at, at Skidley Park yeah, well, I mean, I took on the kitchen, it had one, and so I retained that after six months, and uh, uh, and uh, obviously um, I had my car accident within two months of starting, so my first worry was, you know, would I get the job back, which I did, and I got back in the kitchen after four weeks after the accident, and then, you know, part-time and then full-time after, uh, uh, you know, That's incredible. Uh, mm, so a few got weeks straight after back that. Yeah, I did, you know. It was yeah two two weeks after the accident, part time, full time, four weeks, and and so the first worry was you know get, you know getting back and keeping that star which I did in the first year and um, amazing and and then four years later I, I got my well actually three years later I got my 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 second star so within four years of being there I'd, I'd got two stars so that was great amazing achievement and a massive credit to all the hard work but also the team at the time that. That I worked with, and since then, sort of eighteen years later, uh, we we kept it. So you know, I left knowing I'd kept it for three, you know, eighteen years. But it, you know, it's just I think the difference between one star and two is just creating your own style and cooking to a very high level and consistently. And and it's not easy, you know, when you start off cooking to express yourself through food, through your own ideas, and it just mm. takes a bit of time uh, because you know you tend to take first course. Bernard Brother, second course, Raymond Blanc, third course, Robichon. So in a way, you've got to resist just copying things. You've got to find your own way, own style, and grow in confidence. And, and that comes you know, over time. So four years is pretty quick. I was 29 at the time. And uh, 
and then so you know that was a, a, a great um, you know great achievement and, and gave me a huge amount of satisfaction and, and confidence because you know and, and then I just you know thought well you know I'd like to get a third star and, and keep or at least retain it and as long as I can so and that was satisfying um, but after 21 and a half years at Gidley you know or at least after 19 years I realised also that 20 years is a landmark time and you know having kept it for so long I also felt that the next challenge really and the next chapter that I wanted is my own business and my own opportunity and I thought that that would also give me the best opportunity to go on and achieve the third star from for myself so that's a good motivation was to get something for myself and so you know after 20 years you know 19 years 20 years I remember the anniversary year was sort of a benchmark year and after 19 years I decided you know that I should think about that I had a 24 month notice to kind of work out because I was in a business partnership as well and I just felt it, it seemed right. The timing seemed right to, to to leave. So, twenty-one and a half years later, I did, and I did yeah. to set up Linster Manor, which is uh, you know, which is where I am at, am now. Very just exciting times. So, yeah, massively, and of course, with it, you know, as I say, it, it gives me the control of my career. It gives me the opportunity also to pursue other things, including TV. And manage my time in a way that I feel is, is right for me at this time in my life. So, very exciting times, you know, a lot going on, um, but also at the same, hugely rewarding, satisfying to be able to create something for yourself and, and do it, you know, uh, bringing all your experience uh, to bear. So, so what what came? I mean, that's all amazing. What what came first? Did you find Limstone Manor, and then that sort of encouraged you to? to decide to call it a day and move on from Gidley and, and start something new or did you decide that and then discovered Limpstone Manor off the back of that and, and just knew it was right? Well, I realised that I had to, to be able to go and find my, or even, you know, get the idea of my own place. I had to, you know, terminate my employment and my business relationship or at least um, bring to an end that. Because without doing that, I, I wasn't free or didn't have the money to be able to invest in my new venture. So I realized early on that I had to work my way out of my notice period, 20, 24 months. And in that time, I had to also find uh, a place for me to move on to. And of course, the investment and investors. So I put together a business plan whilst I was negotiating out my business agreement. And uh, that took six months and then pretty much... As soon as that uh, ended, I, I, I went about trying to secure the property, knowing that it would take a, a long time to, to find, possibly, and or buy, secure, and then refurbish it. And at the time, I actually looked at a place in Rockbeer Manor, which is near Exeter. I was pretty sure that I wanted it to be in East Devon. I was pretty sure where it's possible that I could be close to Exeter, next to the, this hub. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't too sure if I could find somebody or find somewhere, should I say, that was going to be anything like the quality of place that Gidley was. So I knew I was taking a risk, and I was looking even at uh, buying a, an existing hotel. So I did have a look at Coombe House as well. And it was actually whilst looking at Coombe House that uh, somebody uh, reproached about valuation of that property, and they suggested I come and have a look at Collins Mansion, as it was known. And uh, I came here and immediately realized that this was this is the place. It's the one. This is the place. Amazing. Yeah, this is it. And it hadn't gone on the market, and so we were able to put together an offer, 
Um, I secured one investor at that time and ended up with, uh, uh, I had to go and raise, you know, all that money, not just to buy the property, but also I was able to secure it with deposit using my own money. But I, I had to raise the, the amount to refurbish it and to develop into a hotel. Which and it's not just a small, you've right. done a huge amount of work, haven't you? It's been... Yeah, completely the place. You know, it's a great two-listed building, so you have to do that with sensitivity. It's never been a hotel, so you've got to put that infrastructure that makes it a hotel, new water, you know, plants, new, new M&E, as we call it, but electrical, mechanical, so new hot water system for heating and also for the showers and completely modernise the building in terms of that infrastructure that's needed to, to operate a hotel, fire, you know, you know, safety as well. But it's also, it didn't have a kitchen, so I've had to put in a brand new kitchen, which will give me the platform to regain my second star and go on, hopefully, to achieve a third. Three beautiful dining rooms capable of serving 60 covers, 21 bedrooms, all individually furnished and named after birds of the estuary. And I gave this place a name that was relative to to its, its sense of place, and I called it Limston Manor. So it's a country house hotel, which feels very country, with an amazing view and vista over the estuary and views over Exmouth and over to the Warren, Berryhead, and also Ramhead and Paradingham. So it's an amazing aspect, 28 acres, so the ability to, to plant vines in the, the land that, that is south-facing. And we found out that it's, you know, in, in the top 5% of microclimates for growing wine and, and very particular to, to this microclimate that is um, here. So very exciting times. And But that was that was then. Now we, you know, have almost coming to completion. The whole building project's taken sort of, you know, year, twelve months, almost thirteen months now. In fact, actually fourteen months since we, you know, started. So we've got two months to go, and you know, we set to open uh, with some, you know, what we call soft opening through March, and then we're already selling bedrooms from the third of April of this year. So Amazing. Mr. Manor is, 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 is slowly and surely becoming a, a reality and every day you see progress with uh, paint and with finishing detail, with vanity units, with wardrobes being put in and it's very exciting but there's still a lot of work to do and then of course once the building is finished we then need to get a great team, we've already got some fantastic staff lined up and from there we'll, we'll open the hotel with, uh, with me in the kitchen and, and my colleagues and, and, and you know Amazing. Yeah, I think uh, every foodie get, get in the, the country light. is uh, is looking forward to it, and, and we've been following <laughs> it uh, with with eager eyes as, yeah. as it's been developing and, and watching on social media. You've been posting some pictures and stuff that's been going yeah. along. The developments have been amazing, so we're keeping a keen eye, and I'm sure you don't need it, but wish you the best of luck with it. And and yeah, both me and Ben, I'm sure, will come up and, and, yeah, and stay. Been Probably so not share a room, it. but... Uh, <laughs> Do you know, they look pretty big, some of them. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know we've got this uh, wine tasting room and there's this wonderful rich mahogany in there. <laughs> <laughs> and any bunk beds? Leather bound. We could do bunk beds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Have you got Just plenty sell a few of more of those barbecue books. books and you'll be fine. You can afford a room. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll have another, another best selling book next Christmas, maybe. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be great. Well, listen, I mean, you know, you're more than welcome. We'd love, we'll, I'll get you up here. For, I'll get you guys invited to the opening party. So uh, you can give you a show around. So it'd be great to see you up here. So Do a nice barbecue fabulous. on the lawn. 
thanks for volunteering. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So what? What are the um? There's like plenty of other things that have got your name to them as well. Like Kentisbury Grange has got yeah. your name to it. You've got your one in Abu Dhabi. Is it Pearls? Yeah, Pearls. Well, actually, you know what? There was an opportunity to to not continue with Pearls and with. Everything going on in the UK, I thought there was a good opportunity to, to pull out of pearls, to concentrate in the UK, particularly with Linston. We've got, as you say, Kedgesby Grange with the coach house by Michael Keynes. And also, we've got involved with a, a Pally Hall, which was in North Wales, which is a, a beautiful Victorian house that opened this September last year and uh, is owned by privately by the Harpers. And so they asked us to help them open up their hotel, and we were able to do that. And I put a chef in there. And so I'm involved with, with, with Pally Hall and obviously and Kentisby Grange and now with Limston and I'm working on a couple other projects uh, with an opportunity possibly in Manchester and Glasgow and a few other uh, opportunities. So there's plenty of opportunities in the, in the pipeline, but right now I think it's right and proper that I just concentrate on Limston. And sometimes in life you've got to sort of give something up to, to, to apply yourself and be able to to, to, to do a good job mm-hmm. and I think you know with, with all with all that's going on as well with sort of my kitchen rules you know it's quite it's quite easy to get try and be everywhere and end up being nowhere so I'm looking forward to um, having a little bit more time in the UK to concentrate on Amazing. developing that side so that'd be exciting for me yeah it doesn't sound like you're short of offers so yeah. so yeah <laughs> no it's just getting the right offer and getting and doing it for the right reason mm. I also like seeing photos of you with like the Williams F1 team and stuff like that. Yeah, yes, yeah, doing that. Well. <laughs> yeah, been working six years with Williams F1, and uh, looking forward to working another year with with the team and uh, developing its uh, food. Uh, we have uh, all of the food menus that are, that are given on the track side for for the in the motorhome have been developed by myself with the team over the, the last six years, and we offer microcave experience in the motorhome in the in a restaurant that's beautifully being designed for the vip guests so it's been a great relationship and that's a relationship we look to to to, to enhance and, and work on even closer with limston in, in, in the coming year awesome awesome so do you cook for the actual drivers and stuff then is that well drivers get looked after during the week by up the chef so the, the same chef that cooked for the guests cook for the drivers so yeah we Oh, cool. We look after last year Felipe and Votri Botas, and this year obviously we're waiting. We're a new lineup. We've got Lance Stroll, and uh, he's the new driver. Amazing. And obviously there's there's rumours of uh, uh, Felipe coming back because Votri might go and work drive for Mercedes. But we, we're waiting to hear what they're going to be doing. Uh, but at the moment, as far as we know, it's Votri Botas and uh, Lance Stroll that are driving for the team. Some inside and, knowledge uh, there. Well, mm. that. <laughs> well, well we, the rumours that are in the press, you know, I can't, I can't possibly <laughs> comment. But um, but no, it's it's it, you know, it, it makes it, Formula One's a, an interesting uh, spectacle. It's it's pretty much a circus, and the logistics that are involved for the team to go racing over the season for twenty twenty one, however many races it is this year. Uh, races it, it takes a massive logistical effort, and uh, the race team. Yeah, the engineers and all of the, the the staff, the support for marketing, all get fed by the same team that cooks for the guests. So it's uh, it's quite an achievement, oh, and uh, and uh, yeah, it is. And the space they've got to work with is not always easy. But then you know about that, you know. No. <laughs> and you've been 
with all of these things going on, you're also saying you've got to keep the balance right. But I keep seeing you appearing on like stuff all over the place. I've seen you on Saturday Kitchen. I've seen Pointless. you on Pointless. and you on Country Fire. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting yeah. around at the bit moment. Bit of foraging <laughs> on Dartmoor. I know. I know. Yeah, timing's everything, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of foraging, a bit of out and about, a bit of Pointless, celebrity. But, you know, it's great. I've got a, a great agent, Vivian. She's actually lives in Southwest, Vivian Claw, that they looks after me. And when I left Gidley uh, last uh, uh, February, which is, I said, look, let's get a few opportunities in this year. Um, and TV, you always film sort of way in advance. So, uh, we're, and, and, and I know that the channels are, are you know, uh, have been interested in me doing a bit more, but I've never had really time. So I was able to use last year uh, to do a bit more. And that just so happens that it sort of all come out, um, this, 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 this year, which is great, which is a perfect mm. platform for me to, promote what I'm what I'm doing now but there'd be you know as you know with my kitchen world that was a, a first and it's great to see that recommission and that will grow hopefully into a, a really good series and we'll continue to listen to what the viewers say and uh, uh, evolve the program and but it's just a privilege to be to be asked to do these things I mean if you'd asked me that at 16 years old you know could I imagine to be where I am now well the answer would have been no I couldn't have been you know, could have imagined it, but you know, I've worked hard and, and I've got a good story. And at the end of the day, if my story inspires others, then then that's great. And 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 when you get asked to do things like pointless and that, you you think, well, why not? You know, yeah, and uh, and it's been yeah, exactly, a bit of fun, and it's been a real roller coaster. So I've enjoyed it. So it's nice to be asked, and it's uh, nice to be able to to do these things. We were very happy on to see you on Country File cooking outdoors because obviously that's what we like to do the most. So nice seeing you out fox. foraging. Yeah, I know the fox. Yeah. Did you did you have to like employ that one or? <laughs> no, that was completely that was spontaneous. That fox. He smelled the food. He turned up. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, he steak. obviously knows his quality when he can smell it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A food quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he even came back in the night and raided my tent. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, got up the next morning, all my kit was thrown over, it was sort of spewed all over the place. So, yeah, it was good fun. But, yeah, I do, I love, I mean, listen, you know, we're from Devon, we, we're, we're in an amazing place. And, you know, the larder of Devon and the southwest is great. And more importantly, you know, we live in a, with the beauty of, of, of the area, be the coastline and as well the moors and we just sometimes we just take it all for granted but it's nice to be able to show people uh you know a place like Dartmoor you know on country file which is obviously watched by by millions and share your passion for the region which is which has got to be a good thing definitely yeah you were talking about how like uh if you were 16 years old and someone would say to you that uh what you'd be doing now you wouldn't believe it but i've seen that you you're obviously heavily involved with the the exeter college uh cookery school now and yeah. uh and and that's amazing obviously giving back to where you sort of your roots started from how how's that experience mm. for you brilliant well i mean it's six years now we created the michael haynes academy which is all about excellence and hospitality and i just felt you know if you're doing well in your career it's nice to put something back the college made, I was a governor of the college and, and did that for four years. And uh, this year, they made me a patron, the first patron of the, the college, which is a great honour. And I just think it's important, not just for the catering department, but for the college on a whole, which has done, done incredibly well. It's, it's one best college in the UK and, and is an outstanding Ofsted College. So it's just great to be involved with a dynamic college that's growing and thinking about 
how they can get young people from the area into employment. And of course, catering industry is one of our largest employers here in the southwest. But often or not, it's overlooked. So I just feel if I can use my profile to show that it can be a first choice uh, for young people and give people great prospects and opportunities and share their passion of food in front of house, then then we should be promoting that. And I'm really, really pleased to be able to do that through Exeter, but also, I mean, where possible, gone involved with other colleagues, including Plymouth and East Devon and North Devon too. So anything we can do to encourage young people into this industry, as far as I'm concerned, is, is a positive. And having the opportunity to work with Exeter College with the Michael Keynes Academy has been absolutely fantastic. And there's nothing more you know, satisfying than seeing them graduate and go on and work in the industry and do great things and achieve, which you know, which is the legacy that you want to really see. So I'm really chuffed. It is amazing. With those students. No, thank you. And and I mean, being from the southwest, I mean, people, especially down in sort of Plymouth and and places like Exeter and, and Cornwall, people often, especially youngsters, don't see the the amount of opportunities we have down here. And you look up to London, and mm. there's all this stuff happening. So sure. it's great to have names and people like you involved with with schools like that and and doing extra stuff with them, which really gives the, young, yeah. the youth like a sort of real real sort of ambition to to achieve more. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, we've got some wonderful talent. You know, people like Mick Stein's done incredibly well in Padstow. Nathan Outlaw. Yeah, Michael Wignall's taken over at Kidley. He's two Michelin star chefs. And we're attracting more and more talent to the region, which is right. Simon Hoston in one star in, uh, obviously, Torquay. And then, of course, Paul Ainsworth at number six. And then, you know, there's so, there's so many uh, restaurants now that are populating through... Guys like the Trencherman's Guide, which I'm, I've been involved with as well, celebrating 30 years this year, which is, and in that time, you know, the, the, the restaurant scene's grown. And we're seeing less seasonal aspects now involved with the industry, more talent, you know, making use of the wonderful produce, which is here in the Southwest too. So you know, we're really seeing a real foodie revolution going on here in the Southwest. Great uh, community of foodies as well that really see the quality of life and care about where things are from, the provenance of food and the seasonality. And I think it's great, just lovely to be a, be a part of that. But more importantly, lovely to see the industry benefit from that uh, and that tourism, see people seeing the Southwest as a destination for quality as well. Uh, I think it's really important. I mean, if you had a larder like the Southwest in, in France, it would be one of the, the best regions for food. And, and we're starting to see the Southwest emerge as one of the best regions for restaurants and foods and hospitality and and that's right and proper that we make the most of that and we shout about that and for the people that live here we already know how fantastic it is but you know and in certain times like you know the outlet we've got in life sometimes it's nice to be able to look at the strengths of what we've got and sell it for 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 the, for, for the achievement that that's been made but also for the opportunity that's there for young people as well in the future amazing and and just before we move on if if you could give one bit of sort of uh i don't know feet not feedback or inspiration or what would it, what advice. would it be advice for a young sort of 16 year old or, or 20 year old who's looking to get into the into the chef or or catering, catering trade what, what would you yeah. uh what would you uh what advice would you give them well two bits of advice first of all not too much chili <laughs> <laughs> it's not too much just right. 
Only no, but uh, jokingly aside, listen. I mean, listen. What you need is a, a, a determination, you know. Obviously, and and if you've got a dream, don't give up on it. I mean, everything's possible. You've got to work hard and be prepared to work hard. They say that the hours are, are long, but then I don't know. Junior doctors work any less hours, or or people in the legal profession. If in life you want to get on, you you need to be focused, determined, and also you know you've got to be uh, able to be able to learn uh, and get, if you like, feedback and see it in a constructive way and take that feedback on and use it to improve uh, what you're doing and, and your performance. And all I want from young people is, you know, a willingness to learn, and that's so key. And time's something that you can give when you're young. You've got plenty of it in the future. And I would say not to be in too much of a rush to get to, you know, the uh, head chef position or restaurant manager position because once you're there you've got the rest of your career to stay there so take the time to learn and put those experiences into good use later amazing yeah good advice so one of dan's bits of advice for me to learn how to be a good chef just, just to learn eat, as a cook. Just, just eat loads and loads of food is that, is that a good <laughs> technique as well or not yeah well you know it'd be a good Good chef, you've got to be a gourmet. So eating your way around restaurants is, is, is inspiring, but you've got to put all that wonderful taste experience to, to into practice, and, and that's the skill of a good chef is that they can take those wonderful food memories and turn them into uh, amazing meals themselves. And I think you know, you even I, I eat out and I get inspired. I go on holiday um, and get inspired, and I think that's the wonderful thing about food and culture is that now everybody sees it as a part of. Uh, the value of life, isn't it? You know, going out to eat in nice restaurants. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be expensive, but just enjoy food for what it is and cook at home or cook for friends. That's just the life we live now, and we're very privileged to do, to, to, to do it, you know, with an acceptance of culture as, as an everyday thing now, whereas, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, people struggled to get orangino and a cappuccino. That would be a milky coffee served in a mug, whereas now... You get skinny lattes and all types of different types of coffee styles, and it's just a norm. So, food culture in the UK has changed massively, and the world has, has got smaller, and with it, the, the food world and wine world has just exploded. So, just such an exciting time to, to be involved with food right now, I think. So, what, what of our dishes we cooked for you do you think inspired you the most in your career? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly blew my bloody head off. <laughs> He's my friend. Um, no, they certainly, you know, blew me, blew the, blew the doors off, as I would say. But listen, I love, what I loved about your food is that, you know, you, you guys have self-taught, you know, you've, you've been, you know, cooking uh, food that makes uh, it enjoyable for people to, to get around the barbecue. And you've got that lovely passion, you know, you've been inspired by that whole sort of movement of barbecuing in, in the States, but doing it in a way also which is, you know, fun and energetic, and you've cooked some wonderful uh, meals for us. And you know, and I think when I think kind of you look back, you learn also that cooking is about um, trying to cook to all tastes. And sometimes you have to sacrifice your own taste to 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 be appealing to others. But at the same time, you can't let that um, under undermine your belief in food. And 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 some of the meals, like I still remember those lollipops of chicken. You know, just that dip with uh, just the the glaze and the and all of that i just it, it was that was just fascinating to see and 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 you know and i just love the fact that you have so much energy and passion for for your style of food and what you do and you've got a great following and it's uh 
lovely to see and you know uh, and i might have a an alfresco barbecue book on my shelf you never know <laughs> <laughs> if you want it signed let us know yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you want uh just stick the lollipops on limpston manor's new menu it's fine we're fine with that. not a problem okay, cool. we'll give you the rest of it. Well, thank you. <laughs> great i guess in 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 like while we're talking about like the celebration of the region i guess that's probably what's kind of formed your Exeter Food Festival, isn't it? You're kind of celebrating all yeah. of the local produce, and that's a great festival. Mm. Me and Dan went along to it last year and absolutely Brilliant. loved it, yeah. Yeah, well, 14 years now it's been going, and, and we're just, I think, you know, Brits are pretty, well, you know, we're never really we're celebrating much, we're always complaining about stuff, the weather, or this, that, and the other. And we just felt that if you create a festival that can showcase the best, you know, and talk about, you know, children eating great food and provenance and you know, and, and celebrating what's great about the food region, you know, food beverage as well as food, then we should do it. And that's what we did at the food festival. We brought some music in and, and did stuff for the kids and uh, and children. So now, 14 years later, if you were, you know, young, six-year-old, you know, now you, you, you're 20 and you're, you're at the festival enjoying it and passing that enjoyment on to the next generation. So it's great that we've been going for 14 years, you know, and and I think it's important that we keep it going. And again, it takes a commitment of a willing few to give it their time for nothing to 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 put it all together. And it's all sponsored by the community or businesses as well. And all the money we take for the gates, receipts, and the stores and the pitches all go back into creating a festival for 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 this year and next year and so on. So. It's a great event, and we just try and stay true to our belief that things should all be southwest, and that the chefs should be from the southwest. and And uh, and, and and I think it's been a great success. And and you know, we 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 plan or hope to think that that success is going to continue uh, this year into next and beyond. Yeah, definitely. It's like you say, it's a great festival. And you have some great chefs on the stage. There was so much going on last year. We like almost couldn't decide where to go next because you've got great speakers in this tent there's more over here there's all these stalls that you want to check out so it's it's great to have such a huge amount going on at such a like, close place to us i guess in exeter yeah absolutely when no i, I agree yeah when i was gonna say my, my one of my last ones i noticed that we talked about our book quite a bit but you've actually got your own book out as well yeah, just about to go into another, we've run out of books, so we're going to do a reprint, just checking and editing the second print version now, but Michael Caines at Home is my first book, and, and I, I, I'm really pleased to be able to say I've, I've finally bought a book on, out, and um, I'd like to do a couple more, and, I, and I'll plan for that. Once i got Limston Manor, we'll start thinking about a second book and possibly third thereafter. But, you know, doing the first one is always a big milestone, and for ages I kind of looked at everyone else's and say, why I haven't got a book deal on it. But like anything, you just could put your ideas down on paper and present them and then from there on, you know, it, it's a real possibility. But so yeah, I'm really, really pleased to, to have got my first book out of the way and, and sold out the first print. So we're gonna do a second print run uh, you know, soon and uh, that will be back on the shelves looking to sell. So very exciting. Awesome. What's the sort of stuff we can expect to see in the book? Well, it's it's kind of like my signature recipe. So I'm just trying to talk about ingredients and and, and the quality of ingredients and 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 put the ingredient as the sort of the star of it. But at the same time, you know, I think at the same time, trying to give people the aspirations of you know different ty- types of food. So I think 
and food to to you know something slightly more tricksy like you know um uh, sort of like a parfait of banana with you know soaked peanuts and 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 as butterscotch caramel it's just trying to mix things up so different levels but then talking about seasonality you know talking about shellfish seafood poultry game and doing it that way vegetables and pasta and doing it through the types of ingredients and then talking about it this a bit element of seasonality where where things are from a little bit of history where things are, have come from and how they've developed over time and how they then fit within a recipe which can interlink as well. So, you know, if you're doing a fish dish, you know, perhaps a garnish that you can serve with it. Uh, so I just try to be slightly different in my approach. Um, but, you know, at the same time, a few signature uh, ideas in there which have sort of become sort of renowned for, for me, but, um, but also a bit of accessibility. Sounds great. Sounds like you've covered something for everyone in there, really. Try to, but it's never easy with a book. Sometimes it's just easier to write three books and start trying to get it into one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good starting point. Definitely. So MKR is coming back. I've seen there's adverts out for people looking yep. for new cooks and stuff. Did you Have you come on the podcast because you're trying to get us back on again? Or? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. Once been, twice never shy. But um, <laughs> listen, it's a great, you know what it's like. I, I urge anybody to, who, who fancies it to get involved. I love the fact that it's a team sport. And of course, I'm really chuffed that we managed to, to get a recommission. I mean, the first series is always difficult when you look at programs like Great British Bake Off and even MasterChef when they started. It was an easy uh, start for those programs. And even, you know, in, in the Australian version, it, it, the first time they brought that out, it wasn't good. But that Australian version has grown. And in, in a way, the expectation of the English version of the show is, is, is often benchmarked to the success of Australia. But, you know, England is a very, very different place to Australia. So we have to have a show that represents the culture that is Britain. Uh, and I think that, you know, as the, we grow the, the program, we can incorporate um, some of the, the successes and grow it into a format. So to be asked, you know, to get involved with the second series and be involved with that evolution of the format uh, is really exciting. And, of course, Prue and I are looking forward to finding the next group of best chefs, you know, amateur chefs that want to come in and do battle. And if that involves you two again, then so be it. Bring it on. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the whole program format, you know, in terms of first is always difficult even the team that produced it has learned a lot, and we've already been having chats about how the show might evolve, and the channel have done some feedback from the viewers as well as uh, uh, as you always do when you analyse the first show. Uh, and we're looking, I think, look, you know, looking forward to getting filming later in the year, um, and also evolving the, the format and the program. And hopefully, we'll we'll, we'll see the the program grow. Um, from the last series into a strong to series and from here, you know, to next year and, and beyond, really. It's a great commitment from the channel to, to commission it again and uh, and it's great to, to see that they've stuck with me and Prue. They like that dynamics and, and it's for us now to, to bring... Oh, I mean, you know, once you've done something like that, you know, you know the format, you'd be a little bit more relaxed and bring uh, a little bit more to it as well because, you know, as well as I do, there was quite a lot of script there that we had to learn I think this next series, they, now we know what we're doing, it's slightly more, you know, want us to just relax yeah, into the show the ourselves. Yeah, bring the personality of ourselves to it, which makes it a little bit easier so you don't have to worry about learning the lines. 
ultimately just you know able to get on with uh, presenting the, the concept and the format in, in a, and be perhaps a bit more spontaneous uh, not that we didn't have fun but you know what I mean yeah yeah it was great fun we uh, yeah. we absolutely loved it it's such a laugh yeah we were, when we were on the show we we went off and we were we were like, oh we're off now but I guess we've we've had a good time. It's good to get home and chill out now. But as we were driving home after we'd gone off the show, it was just suddenly like, well, now what? Because this is all we've worked on for like <laughs> weeks and weeks, and suddenly it was over, and it was just a, quite a, like almost a hole left there from the show. You'd got to know all of the other teams, all the crew that you spent all that time with. It was quite a, a strange yeah. feeling, I think, once it was over. That's good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I know that kind of almost feels feeling that the journey's ended. But actually, it's a it's such a, a pace that turns, and then you crack on, and, and then when you see it all coming out, all that hard work, you see and watch it, you unfold on TV. It's almost like, oh my god, you li- relive it all again. I guess <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah, because it was quite a while afterwards. So once it yeah. came on, it was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was funny. That <laughs> if I knew that, I wouldn't have put so much chili in. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I wouldn't have used. <laughs> well, if I'd known she didn't like smoke, I wouldn't have used any. <laughs> right, Michael. Yeah. Uh, we we are at the hour mark, so I'm going to have to step in and call it a day. We could talk to you forever. We had such a laugh no, here on the show, uh, no, and and it's it's been amazing catching up with you. And hopefully, we'll we'll catch up more soon. Definitely. Well, listen, you know, guys, I'd love to show you around and we'll catch up soon. But in the meantime, keep up the great work and it's always good to catch up and definitely fun to have a chat. Great. Thank Thanks, you man. very much, Michael. So everyone check Pleasure. Michael Keynes out on Twitter. It's Twitter at just Michael Keynes. M Keynes. M Keynes. And also cool. check out Limston Manor, which is opening officially April. Is that what you said? April the 3rd. April yeah. the 3rd. Get in there. Get, get booked. Booking. Thank you. And then... Enjoy some of Michael's lovely cuisine. Cool. Yeah, thanks, my Michael. kitchen will yeah. No worries. <laughs> Take care, guys. Cheers, thanks. Cheers, bro. Bye. Bye. Cheers, bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we were brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamada Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade or looking for some charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with hop championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And finally, Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter under Smokewood Shack. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And Michael Kane said I'm the best cook. 
never said that. He said that you are listen so bad that. at cooking. If he you said, listen I'm that. the best cook. He said, he said, Dan, you're much better than Ben. Ben's absolutely pants. 